This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, humans are pretty amazing with our superpowers that we don't even know that we have. For example, recognizing each other. Filmmaker and journalist Josh Freed shares the power to recognize each other's faces or the power to not recognize each other's faces too. Plus, digging into the stories of Canadians that can't even recognize their own family. Steve Stebbing brings the movies, you just need the popcorn, and probably payment for the subscription service. He reviews big new releases, including a documentary on Gordon Lightfoot, proudly Canadian, the next Ice Age movie, and so much more. Plus, are you okay with weather anchors? And what about calling play fights silly fights? Uh, was a thing that happened, and it's on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with... You can contribute, 877-399-9898. Love your text messages with are you okay? Are you okay with... Doing extra work, Ryan O'Donnell. Uh, when I uh, put this story together, this was extra work. This was one I did on top of the other stories. So yes, it's it's one of those things I've I've come to realize is like if you have a little bit of time to do a little bit extra, it means that you have more time the next day to not have to do that thing or you can just keep this cycle going and it's like a nice streamlined workflow i've noticed ever since i started kind of adjusting to that that my workflows actually improved quite a bit but which is silly because hard work that, that sounds dumb but it actually works surprisingly eh? surprisingly i think what you're talking about is uh i think you're talking about smart work buddy not hard work hmm that's good you know, uh, a great example is you know, if you want to try something, like dishes is a great example. Dishes and laundry or something that's around the house. Um, whenever there's a dish, put it away. Like if you see it, just grab it, grab one. So if you go into the kitchen, you're making toast and there's an extra dish lying around, make your toast, do your thing. Toast is in the, bread is in the toaster. Uh-huh. I almost got myself there. Bread is in the toaster. And uh, just put the dish, put an extra dish away. Just do one thing. It changes so much in your workday. It's amazing, like at home, right? It's, 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 mm-hmm. okay, so you, the bread's in the toaster, you wipe the counter. Just one task. And before you know it, your kitchen's clean. I love that stuff. BK, what about you? Extra work? Um, Discipline, yes. Um, I, I tend to think of, the reward down the road versus the immediate reward right now. I could just sit there and do nothing and relax, but then down the road, I'm going to run into trouble. Work's mm. not going to have more work down the road, and then I'm going to rush, and I'm just not going to do it good. You know, so I, I always think of, uh, you know, these rewards will pay dividends down the road if I do this extra work right now. You're talking about time debt. As I like yes. to call it. Right? You're yes. staying out of time debt by not procrastinating mm-hmm. on what's going on. I used to be bad at that, but now I'm not. Oh. Yeah. I am in some aspects of my life. All right. Uh, extra work comes in handy. Going over and above to do good service and help other people. It's pretty awesome, too. One police officer went beyond the call of duty by providing a noble service. He just arrested a DoorDash driver. And decided to help out the customer by acting as 
a temporary delivery driver. This ring camera video that originated in Sioux Falls has now reached the phones of millions of people. No, I'm not who you're expecting. We had a report of an officer that was moonlighting as a DoorDash employee while on duty. That's not exactly accurate. After stopping a car nearby and having to arrest the driver, the officer realized the person worked for DoorDash and there was food in the car. So the officer finished the delivery. And I'm sure he's waited a long time for his Grubhub or his meal and stuff. And he was just like, well, this is just sitting here. I mean, the lady paid for it and everything. Like, she's going to wonder what happened. Paige Martin is the sister of the police officer. She says he's not the type of person you'd ever expect to go viral on social media. And he didn't want to be interviewed about his last minute delivery. Well, he's not like one to talk, doesn't really like publicity. I mean, I barely get a picture with him, so. But now his actions are showing millions of people a moment of kindness and of going beyond the line of duty. I think that's great. That report is from KELO News. Oh, yeah. In her Facebook post, the woman who received the food delivery thanked the officer for going above and beyond and also said the food was delicious. Uh, and it was um, the food that I was cra- uh, craving like mad today, but it was too late to order it. Arby's. Oh, that'd be uh, that would be pretty cool. I mean, can you imagine the panic though for a split second? Like the the person who ordered the Arby's thinking, mm, "About to get that roast beef sandwich." Cop at the door. What did I order? What was in my sandwich? Yeah. And then seeing just holding <laughs> the bag of food, that would have been a roller coaster. But I love it. I, I love that the cop went and did that. Like that is that very nice. I think one of my great favorite Simpsons lines ever is one of the kids in Bart's class was like, "I'm, I'm so hungry. I could eat at Arby's." And then all the kids go, "Oh, that's hungry! Wow." <laughs> <laughs> hey. We don't disrespect that here on the show. Yeah, so, right. Shane and I. You can't get the special sauce though. You got to get the Arby's, the beef and cheese on the onion bun, with no special sauce. Ugh. Too sweet. Just saying. All right. Are you okay with? Are you okay with weather anchors, Brendan Kelly? Weather anchors. Ah, yeah, I am okay with a weather anchor. I know some. Yeah, usually. They're pretty no nonsense. They just get down to it and do the weather and then yeah, yeah. I've never mm. had a problem with weather anchors. Well, I am very okay with weather anchors because nothing they do is real. Everything that a weather anchor does is not real. Yeah. They stand in front of a green screen and it's mm. imaginary work. And come to They th- do imaginary work. They point at things and they look at a screen down below and then they point at other things and they make they make those boards that's what yeah. they do they make those boards behind there with the you know the temperatures and the and the names and the cold front but and all that stuff i was going to say come to think of it it's one of the only professions where you can be wrong a lot and not still lose your job paid. yeah and still get paid yeah, yeah it's all, still listens it's all i guess it yeah whether people absolute... are politicians right oh man politicians <laughs> Yeah, Pierre Polyev said that on the shift once. It was amazing. He said that. He says, you know, this is the only career where you celebrate how much money you're going to spend with no accountability on the other side. (laughs) He's like, you know what? That's just like other jobs where you get paid to fail and nobody cares. Like weather people. Well, they don't get paid to fail. Oh, weather's better now. Like it's not, it's not like it used to be where there would be like, 
it's going to be 25 degrees and sunny tomorrow, and then all of a sudden, snowstorm. Like, it's not like that. I mean, they do a pretty good job now. There's a, there's a lot of science. There's a lot of science and tech that goes into it, and it is fun. When I was at SATE and I got to be the weatherman, it was literally my favorite thing to do. I have anything that I did in broadcasting school was to turn the weatherman voice on, put on a burgundy suit, and point at the weather map. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's raining scotchy scotch. No, I didn't do scotch before the show. That uh, it's not 1975. Oh, come on. Well, we are okay with weather anchors. They keep us company early in the morning. Usually, the funniest weather anchors are on in the morning. Uh, they Definitely. tell us when crazy storms are coming our way, so they keep us safe. And sometimes they do provide us with some amazing TV fails. Which are fun. Last week, WDRB meteorologist Mark Weinberg was reporting on a cold front in the Midwest when he paused and seemed to create a little cloud of his own, if you will. A cloud of methane. Uh, Much like Rudy Giuliani in court, it appears that this weather person (laughs) farted during the broadcast, complete with a slight spring in his step. Hold this, the air is... It's eight into one Iowa. Wow. Oh, oh that's just that wasn't even subtle. <laughs> that was not he subtle. To no. He couldn't even oh. stop. Like it was just I gotta keep powering through. Oh. <laughs> like you think you'd you feel that one coming and not do it, right? When you're on the oh. air. On the air, right? Yeah. Can you play that one more time, though? Oh, yeah, of course. Coldest air is. It's eight to one Iowa. Um, uh, I hope someone moved a chair. Because it maybe. No. Oh, no, no. If you watch the Perfect video, pause. it's like he lifts his leg up. Like it oh. looks like he's lifting his leg up. Like, you know, you're comfortable with Yeah, obvious. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Weinberg has yet to comment on this little moment. He's not the only one, though, to be blowing up the Internet with some um, flatulence. In a video posted to Instagram stories, user at the Mi Amor explains how her teacher may have accidentally uploaded a voiced question for some online learning that was literally just a fart. Okay, so I'm in this French class, and there's this learning tool that we have where there's an audio of the question, and then we respond with typing. So normally the question will be like three seconds long. Qu'est-ce que vous faites maintenant? And then you would type in your response. So what's interesting about this one is this one's two minutes and 13 seconds and it's all silence until this part. <laughs> oh, see, that's not a chair moving. <laughs> that's not a chair. <laughs> Two minutes and 13 seconds. How did she do that? How did she upload that? <laughs> well, it must have been silence then just an oops, I guess. You know, like, yeah. have you, don't you do that on your phone where you're, you accidentally bump the talk to text or something or a voice note and it records a bunch of stuff and then you look down at your phone and you're like, oh, X, undo. No? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess in that regard. Yeah, that could be. It's just somebody had to click upload on that. I guess. But to listen for like two minutes of silence and then hear that, that's dedication. Yeah, that's a good student right there. (laughs) Oh, well. Well, 
If you do pass gas on live TV, you can try to own it. Daytime TV host Wendy Williams once had a similar situation, but a very different reaction. But you can't even do that locker room thing. That cop wasn't playing that. I mean, you're lucky you only got battery. What if he filed for sexual assault? Okay, now you have a seat. Okay, That's it. settle in. Okay, Woo. so today, yeah. Wendy's denying that she passed wind. She says <clears throat> if she had, she would have acknowledged it. I don't lean over like this to release a fart. I'm leaning over like this because it's comfortable. You know, if I sit like this all the time, you know, it's heavy on my spine. I don't have the back. I'm not trying to get the back. I like to release my hips and lean. I. It's a long explanation. I don't know. I, I don't believe uh, that she would acknowledge no. it if she actually did it. I don't know. I just think, yeah. I think you try to bury yeah, that. But, try to power through, you know? But what's the big deal? That was from ET Canada, by the way. What's the big deal if you accidentally let mm-hmm. one slip? No matter where you are. I'll do it. Oh, excuse me. Right? Yeah. I like what's the I don't understand the big deal. I I I We I, all do it. Everyone might have a little giggle, but everyone's gonna move along. And uh and whatever. Whatever, whatever. Are you okay with <laughs> Are you okay with silly fights? I feel like I should say that differently. <laughs> Are you okay with silly fights? No oh, silly. I don't know what silly fights are, but I, yeah, I so really I'm going to reserve I, I, my. I didn't know how to explain this. I didn't know how to explain this. The, the kind them. of fights I'm referring to are like, I guess, like, oh, I get, oh, I found it. Play fights. That's the word I was looking for. I found it. <laughs> you know, pillow fights, nerf fights, snowball mm-hmm. fights, play fights. Why did mm-hmm. that not come to my brain when I was typing the story out? <laughs> there you go. Friday. All right. Well- There you go, Friday. Please enjoy this painfully British news report from the BBC. It's the weekend and those who are a bit sporty may be spending time outdoors, maybe playing football, tennis or cricket or perhaps golf, I suppose. But have you considered pillow fighting? The Japanese have been slugging it out in some very intense face-offs over the weekend and age is not a restriction. Rahul Joglakar now reports. Waking up to a championship like no other. The serious and very competitive sport of pillow fighting. In the small fishing village of Ito, 150 kilometers south of Tokyo, teams gathered from across the region to compete in the qualifying event. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, silly. All right. But, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, silly. But some silly fights can get a bit out of hand, uh, especially when <laughs> Can we just talk about we gotta start calling them that now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never gonna call it play fight again. Ryan, are you having a silly fight? Okay, um, some silly. We're gonna stick with it now. We'll create something new. Some silly fights can get a bit out of hand, especially when they involve mashed potatoes. German news agency DPA reported Wednesday that the cellmates at a prison in Augsburg began throwing potato mash at each other following a disagreement. One woman threw her entire plate at another who responded with a tater. Oh, my God. The situation then escalated into a full-on brawl in which both inmates were injured. If they fail to pay their fines, women can spend another 180 or 120 days behind bars, respectively. How do they? They don't have a job. Side note: What's the secret to good mashed potatoes? <laughs> oh, that's easy. Ranch dressing. Oh, uh, Dijon mustard and uh, 
leave the potato skin on and uh, chopped up chives. Oh, interesting. BK? Oh, you know me. I'd just be a plain mashed up potato. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> Not so silly. Not, Not silly. Not potatoes. even any milk or anything to no, make it smooth, eh? Just be just silly, mm. yeah. <laughs> this really derailed. This is the Shift Podcast. We should probably start this conversation talking about the city, not the documentary or the guy, because have you ever been to Montreal? If you've never been to Montreal, there's a couple things you need to know. Number one, don't turn right on red. Um, lesson learned. Uh, number two, get into old Montreal where you get the cobblestones and, and that stuff. And when whatever restaurant you go to to sit down, just order beef and brown sauce. Trust me, it's worth it. Uh, one of my favorite places. Uh, Josh Freed is uh, from Montreal, and he is joining us here on The Shift. We'll share why in a second, but Josh, you got to tell me, how fantastic is that city? Pre- and post-pandemic, it's just a wonderful city, which I've spent most of my life in because I love it. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, I like it because it's, it's, anar- it's anarchic, Shane. Like, there are no rules. It's the it, the only rule is you can't turn right on reds, and people do anyways, okay? Yeah. <laughs> You're a city for breaking rules. Everybody yeah. breaks everything, you know? Stays up till all hours of the night. People are honking. Nobody obeys the law. Nobody pays any attention to almost any rule at all. It's all changed in the pandemic. It's been a very rule-abiding place in the pandemic. Quebecers have sort of saluted the government and said, yes, sir, we'll do whatever you ask. But before and I hope after we have broken rules our whole lives. The traffic is crazy. I always say it's survival of the fastest. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you know, one across the street, you know, like it's that. at your own risk, you know? Yeah. Uh, everything, everything is survival of the fastest here, you know? Like just if, you, 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 if you're at a red light and you, and, you, and you don't jaywalk, something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Everybody's going to stare at you and wonder, why is, he, why is he crossing on the red, on the, on the green? You don't cross on the green here. You run for your life. <laughs> That's kind of an image as to how the whole city works. You know, it works in two languages, which I love. And you never, you know, everybody's supposed to speak French. But as soon as you speak French to a waiter, he's going to insist on speaking English. Then you'll try to speak them in French. And they'll speak to you in English the whole, the whole way through. You'll each speak the other person's language. Because yeah. you're, you know, well, partly you're trying to learn the other language, and partly you're trying to be nice. So it's that's, a, it, and you just can never find the middle ground here. It's always you feel the rule is speak French, but as soon as you speak French to a Francophone, he wants to speak English and yeah. vice versa. That's fine. It, it, it all just kind of works that way. It's sort of, and I, I just kind of get a real kick out of. It. I love the late nights. I love the crazy festivals. I love the fact that people are up till every hour of the night and and they speak a dozen languages much like toronto by the way toronto speaks a lot of languages yeah. uh, even more languages than we do but you know the, the french and english thing really brings it brings two kind of different cultures together they're always clashing but they're always adding to each other and it makes it just a it's a little bit of europe you know a little bit of america a little bit of montreal it's and it, it puts it you put it all together and it's just life's fun you know it's and we and we always used to crack jokes about toronto you know what was the you know tgif thank thank goodness it's friday it, you know here it's thank goodness it's friday there it was thank goodness it's monday mm. that was the old joke it's not really true anymore i think toronto has a good time now too but this has always been a city where you you work to live you don't live to work yeah that's the central rule of montreal and you know, that means you, you, you do a lot of living. Yeah, I like that. It's a very creative city. It's a very expressive city. Uh, that's for sure. And um, 
And it's a neat place to go to. I, I, I like that. And by the way, never cross a parking lot either, assuming that you're going to get it safely to the other side if you're at the grocery store because they, they, they won't stop. Find a parking lot. If you can find a parking lot, you yeah. go find a parking lot. And you see, they torn them all down and they've taken away all the parking spots. So it's we basically spend all our time double parking. <laughs> double parking is called parking here, okay? I love That's- it. So good. Uh, Josh is with us to talk about this new documentary he's got. Um, it's it's really great. How good, um, you know, is this documentary about AI and faces? Um, Josh Freed, you produced this thing. We're talking about faces. We're talking about the use of our faces. Help us understand in the beginning of um, In Your Face, what, what is the, the premise of this, this, this show? Premise is simple. It's that we have this extraordinary superpower we don't know about shane uh it, it let the average person recognizes about five thousand faces and that includes like vast numbers of people you know celebrities superstars you've never met these people you've never met you know, meryl streep you know what she looks like you know what you know all, all kinds of people look like and you keep these things in your head and it's every scientist you talk to in this field will say it is the single specialty human beings have that's most extraordinary in things in terms of things we can do so it's and the reason for that is that you know we think the thing i learned from this that amazed me right from the start and intrigued me about this film is you know you think you recognize somebody else because you, you see their nose or their mouth or you know their ears or something it's not how we do it we actually recognize people. We're like a little mini computer. Every time you look at a face, what you're doing is you're measuring hundreds of spots on their face unconsciously. You're measuring the distance between their eyes. You're measuring the distance between their mouth and their forehead. You're doing hundreds of these. You're like a surveyor of the face, okay? And you're doing it all without knowing you do it. And in a blink of a second, you've made 150 measurements and you say, hi, Joan, how are you? And you have no idea you committed this miracle. If you want, it's like a magic trick. Yeah. No human beings know it unless you read about it. And right. People have read about it. So that's kind of interesting. And in fact, so we're astonishingly good at it. The crazy thing is we're so good. Like, think about it, Shane. How often do you see a face in something? You see a face in like a cloud. Right. Or a lock mm-hmm. or a tree. You might see a face in a, in a sink, right? Yeah. The reason is because we're trained by evolution to look for faces everywhere all the time because it might be an enemy it might be a it might be a tiger it might be another human being it might be you know is it a friend is it a foe so we spend our whole lives secretly looking around for faces seeing them whether or not and doing these calculations in our brain like a computer that says wow it's it's my mother i didn't you know, it, the fact you can recognize meryl street you take it for granted but it's it's brain magic you see what i mean so that's kind of what the premise of the film was to start with mixed with the fact that we are suddenly all opening our phones with machines, face recognition machines that, right. you know, that we open our phones, we do our banking this way. And these machines, which are becoming as good as us, they've learned how to copy our brains in the last four or five years. And they're doing it as fast as us. And that's becoming pretty controversial and pretty dangerous. So I thought given the fact we're all opening our phones with this and we have the, 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 the machine is now doing the same magic as us. It's just all it is doing is measuring a million things on people's faces in a blink of a second, just like we do. They weren't machines actually weren't fast enough to do that five years ago, but they've gotten fast enough to actually be better than most of us. Wow. So these two things together really intrigued me. How do we do it? How do we see faces? Uh, how? What are the best people recognize faces like? What are the worst? Why do we, why do we forget 
you know, faces of parties that people really know what what's going on there, and what you know, what about the machine thing? Is it is it a good thing? Is it a danger? Uh, is it worth opening your phone to know you're going to be identified everywhere in the world you go by a machine? So these were all questions, opening questions I had when I did. <laughs> It's a, it's a mountain to start with. I um, I love it. I, I, the things that you've really brought to my attention when you say that, Josh, includes everything from even animals in our pets. We look in our pets' faces, and then they look similar um, to another pet. So it's not even the those faces. The amount of calculations our brain does is just stunning to me. Um, and but then there's the doppelganger, right? When you see somebody who looks like somebody else, and your brain is able to go, "Hey, uh, Josh looks an awful lot like Steve." Um, I know it's not Steve, but the, here's a long list of things that look an awful lot like Steve. And then your brain starts to go, well, his eyes are similar. Oh, well, he's got a mustache. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, um, so it, it is funny how all of that runs through our brains so incredibly quickly uh, in this, plus pandemics, masks, and eyeballs still being able to recognize people. So I'm guessing you probably went into a little brain science to get this started. Yeah, well, so we certainly deal with masks because masks have made it. Well, let me go backwards a bit, okay? You mentioned that we, we don't spot animals that easily, okay? Well, that's because animals look alike, but there's a lot of people who actually see people like animals. Like there's 2% of the population is face blind, okay? They cannot see human faces. So one of the main characters in our film is a woman named Carla. She's a Montreal reverend. They have quite a large congregation. She cannot tell any faces apart, Shane. And what, what she says is exactly what you just said. She really? looks at humans and she says, human beings look like golden retrievers to me. It's like I'm looking at 100 golden retrievers, and somehow I'm supposed to know that one's Ralph. Hmm. To me, that's impossible. I just can't see the face, you know? Um, so, But at the same time, she's an amazingly intelligent woman. So what she does is she listens to people's voices. She studies how they walk. Because think of it, she's a church reverend. She right. can't recognize her congregation members. So how do you think they feel when she walks by them when she's been a congregation member for 10 years? Not good, right? So she's learning all these tricks. How do they walk? How they got a birthmark? She often says, she's quite funny, she says, I can't stand pretty people. Because pretty people have very symmetrical faces, and every one of them looks identical. Wow. They look retrievers. But if they got a big lump on their head, or they got a giant birthmark, for me, they're beautiful. Oh, that is interesting. I love that perspective. I guess it's similar to twins. When parents have twins or close friends and family, they can often tell them apart if they're identical to the general public. They can't. That would be everything from mannerisms to probably even how they smell to the voice and the the intonation and way they speak. Yeah, no, we, we pick up a lot of cues in life. You're right. And we are, you know, parents are especially good at that. So she's got to be like the parent of 100 twins in her congregation, right? She's got to spot something in all of them. That's amazing. Not that she always can, but but she tries to. Um, so, But she's typical. I mean, face blindness, amazingly, there's some pretty famous people who are face blind. You don't know it, though. I mean, uh, Jane Goodall, the anthropologist, is mm -hmm. face blind. Really? Steve Wozniak. Steve, yeah, Steve Wozniak, you know, co-founder well, of Apple. But Jane, Jane Goodall, Goodall, just not to take you off track there, but I mean, that could be why she accelerates when she was in and around animals. I mean, I, right? I think that's a pretty good guess, Shane. I think it's a pretty yeah. good guess. It doesn't tell people apart. So, you know, people who are face blind tend to be quite unsocial because they, right from high school, and this is something that happened to Carla too, but it happens to all of them, uh, they... They talk to people for hours, they become friends, and they walk by them in the halls. And then the people they're walking by think, aren't they arrogant? And they get a, they get a reputation for being arrogant almost immediately. They don't know they're face blind, 
They don't even know they're doing this. They don't remember faces. Brad Pitt, by the way, is face blind too. No way. Uh, he's done pretty well for a face blind. I person. would say he dates pretty beautiful women for someone who can't tell them apart. Yeah, well, that's and and I don't know if you know who Oliver Sacks, the famous, he's a famous neurologist who's written a lot of books, and. Sachs was so face blind, gives you an example of this. Every time he had his best friends over for dinner, they had to wear name tags. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> so it shows you how bad it can be. But what they're seeing is the way we see animals, they see people. It's like we're, you know, we are, you know, in a funny way, think about it, Shane. Like if an alien came to Earth and he looked at us, we all have two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. We probably look like a flock of sheep, right? Right, right, totally. We have this gift inside us somewhere, this measurement thing we've developed over millennia of being able to actually identify the sheep. Right. That's Joan the sheep. That's Billy the sheep. You know, yeah. that's Edward the sheep. So we're pretty amazing at all that. So those are the best people out there. But those are the worst people out there. But there is another 2% who are called super recognizers. Ever mm -hmm. hear of that? No, I've never heard of that. All right. So I find the most, to me, they're the most intriguing of all. These are... And they were part of, partly what got me interested in the documentary in the first place. I had read about the fact that Britain had an entire large squad of, of officers, police officers, who were super recognizers. And so we went and we met with a lot of the police forces now have almost a thousand super recognizers. These are people who virtually never forget anybody they've ever met. Wow. For about 30 years, 40 years, have a waiter over dinner 20 years ago, they're likely to remember who the waiter was, okay? Wow. I, can, I can't remember my waiter at the same meal. Yeah. Yeah, are you my server? <laughs> I, I do that all the time, especially yep. with a mask. Who the hell knows who, your, who knows who your server is? Well, these guys can remember those things for decades. And so we, we did it. We went and talked to a few of them in England. And it's like, it's like a magic act. I, I can't put it any other way. I mean, these guys... I mean, there's a woman who's a super recognizer, and what she does is she goes into a stadium of 45,000 people, and she's got a little tiny photograph of a suspect, and she finds the suspect in 90 seconds. No. She can, in a, in a flash, she just sees the face. She walks around, sees, she knows in an instant. A lot of the other super recognizers say they can tell a person by an ear, the shape of an ear. Wow. They can identify somebody, that, okay? That's amazing detail. So, and we run this, we run in the, in the, in the show, in the film, we actually, we do some tests that, that, to show how good they are. One of them is we put, we show just the eyes of three celebrities or more, actually eight celebrities in the film. And the super recognizer named Kelly is a great super recognizer. You watch it in real time. I can't even see a face come up. I don't even see the eyes. And she's saying, bang, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. In a flash, you faster than you can think she knows who they are. Uh, so it's it's kind of an amazing, and we let the, we let the reader, we let the viewer try this. Mm -hmm. Viewers take the same test, and I have taken that test, and I have learned I'm really bad at faces. Okay, I suck at faces. It, it turns out I'm really below average. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, at the same time, uh, some of the best scientists in this field we talk to are really bad at faces too, because it's not tied to IQ. It's not tied to intelligence. It doesn't match up with any other skill in the world. And both super recognizers we talked to said their central weakness is they never remember names. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that would be terrible. Hey, guy, like you would know. Yeah, we met back in one of the things that I've experienced in radio, uh, because I worked as a nightclub DJ for so long, and I worked in radio in so many places, I often recognize faces, but I can't put them in a city. So it gets really like if I go to if I go to Vancouver and I see someone I recognize in Vancouver, 
I'll be like, hey, Vancouver face guy, right? Makes sense to me. But if I right. go to Toronto and I run into somebody that I met in Montreal, my brain short circuits. It's like, you're the uh, face I know, but you're in the wrong place. And my no. brain just short circuits with that. Yeah, it's all context. It's all the context. Do you expect somebody? I didn't mention that Carla, our reverend, one of her biggest problems is she her daughter lives with her. She's about 20, 25 or 30. When she runs into her daughter outside, she doesn't know who her daughter is. She no. cannot recognize her daughter. <laughs> it gets better than this. Wow. Carla, Carla, when she looks, when she goes to the bathroom and looks in the mirror, she knows it's her because who else would be in her bathroom, right? Right. When she walks in the department store, she does not recognize herself in a mirror. And that is common for face-blind people. Yeah, so like even like in a mall, I guess, reflecting in the glass of a store. Has no idea who she is. Has no <laughs> clue who she is. Has no clue That's who her daughter is. We, we, we filmed a little scene where she runs into her daughter in the streets. We brought her daughter out, and you can see her. Her daughter says, Mom, it's me again. I get so frustrated. It's me, Mom. You just yeah. saw me two hours ago at home. So it's kind of amazing. It's like, you know, she's a really smart, interesting woman, but she cannot recognize her own daughter or herself. And context, as you say, plays a big role in all this, right? So in the house, it's her daughter. Who else would be in the house except her daughter? Well, you hope so. <laughs> in the street, she has no idea. Yeah. That's amazing to me. That is absolutely amazing. And when you think about, you know, just the ability to to not be able to recognize those people or the people in your life, the... But I guess that you become, that's the classic thing, right? People lose their hearing, uh, their eyesight gets better, sense of touch gets better. People lose their eyesight, their hearing gets better. You know, the how the human constantly adapts to be able to identify these different things. Did you guys dig into culture at all? Because, I mean, it's a legitimate thing, and quite often you'll hear it, and I'm, I'm not making this as any sort of race comment or joke, but it is legitimate. When we are living in a place, I think it's changing in today's world, where you have just Anglo people that are living with Anglo people, and everyone basically looks the same. But then if they go to a place like Korea, everybody looks the same. And there's a really great comedian does a stand-up. He's Korean, and but he was born in America. So he the only Koreans he knew were his mom and dad. <laughs> But then he went on a trip with his dad. They went on a boys' trip back to Korea so his dad could take him and introduce him to, you know, family and traditions and all these amazing things. Well, he tells the story of how he got to the airport in Seoul and lost his dad because everybody looked like his dad. He was unable to discern faces from different cultures um, just because we're not as experienced at the minutiae of people's faces when they come from a different part of the world and maybe their skin is different or their face shape is different, their eye shape is different. Um, did you run into any of that? Absolutely. You're dead on there. We have a whole chunk on that, Shane. Um, I mean, the, the fact is people think it's racist not to recognize. You know, that's the general thing. You think it's a racist yeah. thing not to recognize another race, but you've got it right. It turns out, or to think they all look the same. You know, mm -hmm. that's just a terrible thing to say. It turns out, doing this film, I've learned from all kinds of scientists, everybody in the world has this problem. Uh, African countries have a hard time recognizing Caucasians or Asians. Uh, Caucasians don't recognize Asians. Asians don't recognize Caucasians. We all don't recognize each other. Um, it's 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 just a human condition. Uh, and believe it or not, it mostly goes back to infancy, first year of your life, Shane. If your babies, when they're born for the first six months, are just as good recognizing every race in the world. But if they're not exposed in the first year of life, 
to lots of races, they lose the ability and they almost never get it back. And that's us. When we don't recognize other races, we were kind of ruined in the first year of our life. <laughs> oh, yes, we were. <laughs> it's really hard to get it back. You know, wow. so it does, you know, it's kind of to blame yourself. You can't blame yourself for what happened when you were one years old, right? Yeah. You can bring your kids up in a multicultural environment. It's really important. First year of life, expose them to other races. That'll help a lot. But if you don't, then they're, they're going to be like the rest of us. They're going to look at every other race and say, gee, they all look the same, just like we look the same. Yeah. Uh, it's a human problem. Ha! That's absolutely wild. Uh, and also reassuring. You know, we can probably take that into uh, such a broader scope of humanity when we look at, you know, race relations around the world, cultures and everything else that goes on that, you know, your brain has not had a chance to learn and dissect all the minutia and minor, f finer details of other people's lives and cultures. Why not just give yourself the grace of asking questions because maybe you don't know. I think that, you know, that's a pretty metaphorical conversation um, that we can graduate that well above more than just a face. I think that's inspiring, frankly. Yeah. Well, look, look you don't blame yourself for not understanding somebody's language on the bus, do you? Exactly. You don't yeah. say, Geez, point. Race, right? You actually maybe you try to learn languages, right? You take it as something, a skill you should learn. And same thing with bases, you know, it's, it's just, you don't judge, don't be so hard on yourself about this stuff. There's a lot to learn about other people. And one of those things is just getting used to them. And I mean, it's not easy though. Like we interview a Chinese scientist who he came to America. He's kind of a brilliant scientist and he's, he's extremely good at faces. He's really talented. When he came to North America for the first time, it took him two years before he could tell his fellow professors apart. He said, they all look the same. He said, all I could tell apart was old woman, old man, young woman, right. young young man, you know, baby, adult. He said, I could see that. I couldn't see anything else. But he said, he, he said, really, you have to be kind to yourself and you have to be curious. And I think it's all about what you're saying. It's curiosity. You, you know, if you're curious, you learn about other people. And if you're curious, you start trying your best to figure out is there a way to tell you, you meet a, a friend who's Asian and pretty quickly you realize he doesn't look like other Asians. He's your pal, right. but you got to expose yourself to that. Right. And you know, that's, that's the changing world we live in now. I think teenagers growing up now, well, they, well not the teenagers so much as kids who go to daycare. Yeah. Lots, lots of young babies. They're Socialized younger. Yeah. yeah oh, that's so neat. Um, so the, this grad, the, the, this all graduates beyond this. It graduates into the computer stuff. Um, there's been all kinds of conspiracies, of course, in the malls and facial recognition. Um, there's so much to be learned here. It's awesome. Josh Freed's the writer and director of In Your Face. I like the title. I think that's sure. fun. Um, learn about the science, the brain science, the experience of, uh, just people's faces. Simple, isn't it? Kind of simple, but it ain't easy. Hey, Josh. No, no, it's it's actually much tougher than you think. But you you've got a really good brain working there. All of us have a really good brain for this, so you've got big capacity. But computers, you know, computers have exactly the same problem as we do. When, you know, with the, with the race question, mm -hmm. same problem. Um, where you know we're opening our phones with with face recognition now we're all using it all the time and police are using it to spot criminals right trouble is these machines make same which we, we just talked about these machines make as much as 35 percent errors on on non-white faces especially on people of color and it's for exactly the same reason as people they've been 
programmed for the last three, four years by white and Asian programmers. Yeah. They didn't use a sample that used a lot of black people. So an awful lot of black people are being arrested on false charges by a machine that's identified them as a criminal. And one third of the time there are errors. So this is a big problem. The machines are, pre- if a machine could be racist, that's what they are. Yeah. And that, that's a big problem, you know? And that's why a lot of police are now, a lot of companies that provide police face recognition are suspending it and saying it's so undependable, you got to stop this. But there's still a lot of face recognition going on out there. A lot of people are getting arrested. We talked to people, a woman of color who's, who's part of, get this, the Algorithmic Justice League. Huh. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> I actually never heard of it before, but it makes total sense as soon as you said it. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah, a lot of people fighting for algorithmic justice to make the algorithms less racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, that's very true, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've seen it everywhere. Well, thank you very much for this time. Um, this is great. Josh Freed, make sure you check out In Your Face. It's on CBC, um, you, uh, CBC Gem as well. It came out last week. And uh, give it a go. Um, there's an awful lot of people giving you a high five on this one, Josh. I think it's fantastic. And uh, I am absolutely going to make you uh, take me out for beef and brown sauce in Montreal. Anytime you're here, I will find you a brown sauce, a, a poutine brown sauce that will, that will blow your blow your palate. I love it. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Take care. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, Steve Stabbing, how are you? How is Penticton treating you? That's good. It's good. It's, uh, I mean, the snow is melting. Uh, it's kind of, it's still a little chilly, but uh, yeah, it's clearing up. We'll probably get another little snow maybe in February, and then we're on to spring. So that's all oh, good I out here. Feb- thought by February 1st, you guys had the cactus all blooming and everything. Uh, you can only hope, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that we might get another dump just so when it happens, I don't feel super disappointed. Right. That's good. Managing your, your disappointment. That's really exactly. the way it all goes. It's true. It's all about adjustments. Um, Steve loves the movies, and mm-hmm. um, and with all the movies, he likes to uh, likes to chat about what the hell should we watch uh, this weekend, and um, and we should probably get started with what the hell should we watch this weekend. Which um, I'm going to go by the um, by the burly. By the way, okay, Brennan. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. All right. Uh, let's get so, anything new and exciting, by the way, Steve, in the movie land that you're super and like amped about that's coming out here that's not on this list. Is there any secrets going on? Um, well, I actually just watched The Fallout, which is now on Crave. Um, it was an HBO Max movie that I do have on my list this week. Uh, and basically, uh, The Fallout, it's, it's kind of a, a heavy movie. It's basically a, about a, a teen girl kind of dealing with the uh, after effects of being part of uh, being in a school shooting and uh, very topical right now, for sure. All right. I look forward to it. There's a voice in Canada <laughs> is identifiable like in a second. And uh, it's going to kick us off here with new releases. Gordon Lightfoot's If You Could Only Read My Mind. He is one of the greatest examples of timeless singer-songwriter. 
If there was a Mount Rushmore in Canada, Gord would be on it. He's a Canadian national hero, but he also speaks with a voice for anyone. The melodies are so powerful, and he's such a good storyteller, and the combination of those things just really makes for a great song. I knew that I had to sit down and do the work. Uh, he's still doing shows. In mm-hmm. fact, um, this weekend he is in Michigan? Question mark. It looks like, and he was at uh, in Aurelia Casino Rama. Oh, we had a party at Casino Rama once. That was wicked. But then he's back in through <laughs> the states, Pennsylvania, Virginia, all that stuff, uh, Maryland. Over, over through the course of February. I mean, this guy is not stopping in the documentary. No. It looks really great. Yeah, it's really cool, and I'm such a sucker for really good music doc. And uh, I mean, this is a cool retrospective, uh, also a film that shows his influence. Um, it has really interesting nature, which, which gets to like the depth of, of who Lightfoot is as a person, how some of his volatile nature and, and, and worst parts of his own personality um, help make his music so great. Like Sundown is very much a song about his kind of like unbridled jealousy that he could feel and uh made probably one of his greatest hits of all time uh and also there's a really great story about him meeting Anne murray while he was kind of in the in the trenches of recording a record and it didn't go very well and it's just such a funny and endearing story um yeah i really like this movie yeah lots of dates coming up over the next little bit for you to check out with him as well as he just did a bunch uh, through the last uh, reopenings in Toronto and stuff like that. So uh, worth the check out too um, with Gordon Lightfoot, if you could only read my mind. Okay, stevestabbing.ca is the website. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Two deaths of Henry Baker. Your Uncle Henry. He looks like your old man, huh? Did you know that he was getting out? Okay. So you? You got things in mind. Sounds scary. Yeah, it's one of those southern gothic kind of thrillers, basically, where every character has like a dark motive. Uh, there's money at the heart of it. And of course, uh, unknown identities. And uh, it's kind of like a well done film. It does feel like very southern. But it was made by a Canadian cast and crew, which I think is very interesting. Uh, and uh, Gil, Gil Bellows is in this, and he's great. He plays two roles, and uh, but really not a lot of big actors other than him. Next on the list, One Shot. A cell in Europe has been trying to build a dirty bomb. We traced it to D.C. The detainees that come here do not depart until we've properly vetted. Are you a mean man, sir? It's been a terrible mistake. We screw up and one of these guys hurts the homeland. It's all over CNN. Ooh, the homeland. Tell us about One Shot, Steve. Yeah, this is a Navy SEAL action movie with Scott Adkins, who is like one of the most underrated action actors out there. And I think he has some actual real chops uh, to make it beyond just being kind of an action uh, bobblehead. Um, but essentially, this is uh, about a, a group of elite SEALs who are sent to like a Guantanamo Bay type place to uh, 
interrogate a, a suspect. And then at the same time, uh, a kind of terrorist group comes to kidnap that uh, that same uh, inmate, kind of setting off this big fire uh, firefight between the two sides. Uh, very action heavy. If you love your Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, uh, I think you'll dig this movie. On TV, we have a couple of selections here from Steve that, uh, depending on what you subscribe to, this is going to give you a bit of a success, su- suggestion. Ooh, brain. Uh, of what to watch. Now, I've seen this one pop up on the Disney Plus. You can't, can you go wrong with anything to do with, uh, Ice Age? I, like, really? I don't think you can. It's amazing. Uh, let's hear Ice Age Adventures of Buckwild. Oh, no. Crashing, Eddie. Went back to the lost world. And I thought I made bad choices. <laughs> Boys, Buck Wild at your service. Our hero! What brings you two to my world? We want to live a life of adventure, like you. It's a bad time for a tropical vacation. Everyone, we face a grave threat. Can you repeat that? I had a marshmallow in my ear. <laughs> Who doesn't love a sloth with a list, but really? Right? My, only, my issue is that John Leguizamo isn't the voice of Sid for this movie. It's yeah. like a completely new cast, except for Simon Pegg as Buck Wild. And That's like fools you a little bit, right? It's not quite the same. Yeah, it, it, it's a pitch thing. It there's there's a certain like uh, higher pitch to to Sid's voice that is definitely not John Leguizamo, uh, and especially like I, I've you know everyone's crazy about Encanto right now, and he's the voice of Bruno. So you know, it, it John Leguizamo is is in the hotness again right now. Uh, as he always should be, uh, one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, mm-hmm. But the good news is Simon Pegg has uh, resumed his role as Buck Wild in this one. Um, and of course, when Disney bought Fox, they bought all of that catalog of Fox animated animated movies and everything. So Ice Age was part of that deal. So it was only a matter of time before Disney did this. It's a matter of time. Okay, uh, this one is... It's on Netflix. It's a tough one to follow. Uh, so, just so you know, this is the the show that is called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, all one word, dot com. I saw They it. said you saw her murder. She is batshit crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Someone's got to believe me. And she has a serious drinking problem. No. Okay. Look at that knife out of my Can face. Can you stop telling people that I have a drinking problem? You know, I used to feel bad for you, but I do not feel bad for you anymore, and I will not pray for you anymore. Carol. Uh, there always, there's always a movie storyline about the crazy lady in the window across the street, huh? Yeah, I think it all drives from like that Hitchcock rear window type stuff, that film noir styling. Uh, but the draw to this one is Kristen Bell for sure. She is an absolute darling, uh, that people love to watch her stuff. And, uh, she's no, uh, stranger to mystery cause she did, uh, Veronica Mars for a number of years, but this one is far different as basically she plays a, uh, wine soaked, uh, suburban woman who kind of finds an infatuation with the, the, uh, the new neighbors across the street and most notably the single father there. And I don't. This is this is a half hour uh, drama, and it's you know I, after watching the pilot, I 
have my certain guesses like you know is this all in her head is she because this really feels like it's from her point of view so are we spiraling into somebody's delusions or are we actually seeing a real mystery unfold in front of us it's uh, kind of compelling in that sense last but not least apple tv plus if you want to watch this one it's called the after party Hey, hey, party people. Big off the hill, Mount High. We started at the upper middle, and now we here. But for tonight, Mikasa, I'm, I mean, you know how the rest of that goes. Whoa, we're going to live forever. How did this all go so wrong? Mikasa. <laughs> All right, tell us about uh, the after party, Steve Stemming. Yeah, well, murder mystery seems to be uh, the, th- the thread uh, when it comes to television this week because this is another murder mystery. Uh, but a big cast in this one Sam Richardson, Ben Schwartz, Ike Barinholtz, Tiffany Haddish, Dave Franco, so many more people in this one. But basically, uh, this is about. Uh, the after the after party of a high school reunion, which ends up in murder. And uh, Tiffany Haddish comes in as the brash detective that's there to interrogate each person separately, which is which is really interesting because each character seems to tell their versions of it in almost like a separate genre. Like the first mm-hmm. episode, one of the characters has like this weird like black and white art film like reinterpretation of what happened that night. And then they go to this other guy and he's very like kind of romanticized. So his is like a romantic comedy. Like it's really, really well done. I think it's an eight episode series. I I think this is just going to be kind of a one contained uh, season just because it's a really kind of focused storyline. But uh, with this cast, you really can't go wrong. And it's from Chris Miller, which is one half of the guys that did Clone High, Tony on Jump Street, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I mean, the list goes on and on. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.